Yo. What? Up. <laughs> Between the two of us, we made a whole sentence. We did. <laughs> we should do the whole recording like that. We just finish each other's sentences. Woo! You did it. We did it. We could do it, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. This season, we'll be cruising into our 500th episode. I imagine Kathy and I could finish each other's sentences at this point. Not that we couldn't before that. We might have been able to do it before that, but now we definitely can. Let's talk about this question of do scary stories have the capacity to heal us? Do they have benefits to our mental health? Are they detrimental to our mental health? And we would like to present a few arguments on both sides of that, I think, today, and then see where we fall. Sure. See, we, we're obviously horror fans, so it might be really obvious where we fall, and we're also <laughs> therapists, so well, that might make it obvious. But also, there are pros and cons to the whole thing. And context is important. So in what way are we defining healthy versus unhealthy? I mean, the, Right. What's we, the context? What's of, the context? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I want to just start out by just talking a little bit about you know, horror and fear is as old as time. I mean, one of the things that bonds us as human beings is the universal, timeless, and cross-cultural nature of horror and our fears. So obviously horror has a lot of our human fears in it, and it's one of the reasons why we watch it. And it crosses cultures. Like I said, it's universal. There are, there are certain types of fears that are ancient, ancestral. They call them atavistic fears that we all have. And, and atavistic just means based in, in, in ancestry. And so, for instance, our fear of being eaten, mm-hmm. our fear of being prey, because many thousands of years ago that was our experience is that we were trying to survive and waiting for a large carnivorous animal to to come and need us and so what do we have now we have monster movies we have right. we have that fear and that's one of the things that that those kinds of movies are playing into another one might be the the idea of the mythical creature you know the the Dracula, werewolf, witches, zombies, etc. that is strong, unstoppable, and hungry. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is one of those fears as well that we all can relate to because of our ancestry in mythology and our stories and our our biology. It's, it's in our system. It's in our biology. And, you know, one of the most interesting things about, I think, the mythological creatures is that the thing about a vampire or a ghost or a zombie is that they are utterly human except for one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like vampires are human except they're, they're like us, except they're undead. You know, it's yeah. like they look like us, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we talk about teeth and all of that, but like they're very human. It's not, it's not Godzilla coming to eat us. That's you know? right. We're not prey, right? Yeah. 
or ghosts. Ghosts are like us. They are us. They were us. They just have no body. No, it makes sense. I mean, in, I'm going to do a couple of episodes on the origin of queer horror. Yeah, right? I can't wait. And a lot of that, we talk about just the embodiment of what we are fearful of. And, you know, a little teaser is just the discussion around how monsters became the embodiment of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And so when we, f- when we fear things, it's often things that mirror us or things that we are the most afraid of or the most hated that we see in others. That is more terrifying than an abstract thing without form. Like we yeah. are afraid of our own species. Right. And when one thing is off, when one thing is different about us, which you can make that correlation to. A lot is off about you. A lot is off about, well, (laughs) you know, that's not very nice. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm entirely human, except she broke down and fell over and cried in the middle of this episode. It's like zombies. They're, They're utterly human, except for the way they move. And without conscience, right? Yeah. They don't and have... Yeah, that's the amazing thing about zombies is that it's relaxing to us. So this might be one of the very kind of specific benefits to watching zombies in particular, but you could make this argument for a lot of different mythological creatures. But specifically for zombies is that they they have no moral complexity. That's right. And they and so it can be very relaxing for us. Mm-hmm. We might get scared and we're watching and we're watching The Walking Dead and it's terrifying and what's going to happen next. But it's relaxing because we're living out a fantasy of no moral complexity, of not being held to those morals of society's morals. And we're terrified of that and intrigued by that mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's also... So it might be relaxing because of the no moral complexity, but it's an atavistic fear of death and infection that right. we all have. Right. So it's both. And that dialectic is what you're sitting with and your psyche is playing with when you're watching. Like, I'm just using zombies as an example. but No, but we know that during COVID, mm-hmm. pandemic among some of these other movies became the most popular most streamed movies ever because again it was like in real time real fear yes we want to be close enough to it yes but also further far enough back as a way of maybe trying to control it absolutely understand it absolutely or even a morbid curiosity of being the fear yes of course and you know it burns calories all right it does so Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the benefits. Let's go with some benefits, maybe. Well, first of all, I think in context, we want to, when we're talking about benefits, and I sort of noted this just a second ago, is clearly we only like it when we feel, we actually feel safe. Sure. Right? So we know that there are a lot of immersive experiences with haunted houses now where people sign waivers and get locked in freezers. And some people may like that, but the general public really only likes that when they know that they're immersed in this experience, but they are actually safe. So there's that. Yeah. I don't like those ones. 
where where there's the idea that I could actually get hurt, suffocate or <laughs> like, no, break an arm or no, I'm good. Never come back. I'm yeah. not a I'm I am risk averse. Like I don't have a personality. Well, that level of risk is <laughs> that's what I'm other. saying. Like I'm not the personality that's bungee jumping and da da da. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I can imagine that some personalities would get a, lot, a huge dopamine rush from that. Dr. Cynthia Hoffner, I believe is how you pronounce it. She's a researcher at Georgia State University, says um, that her the research suggests that horror fans also tend to be people who enjoy intellectual stimulation and imaginative activities and are many are sensation seekers. For those of us who might be prone to anxiety or nervousness, scary movies provide new focal points. So for someone who is, tends to be uh, someone who worries or is somatically anxious, meaning like maybe they, they worry about their health or they experience bodily sensations as mm -hmm. part of their anxiety, when you sit and watch a horror movie and you're immersed into that anxiety, it helps the brain shift mm to something more productive in that moment that then relieves the real stress and takes the pressure off of what actually could be causing harm. So it shifts to a different focus, which sure. I think is, um, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that working for mm -hmm. some people. Dr. Colton, I believe it's Scrivener or Scrivenew. He's a researcher at the, <laughs> sorry, Colton. Scriva. Scriv, Dr. Colton S. Just call him Dr. Scriv. It, part of it, Colton, is that I just can't read my handwriting. <laughs> yeah, um, that is a part of it. Researcher, he's a researcher, and I've talked about the Recreational Fear Lab on the show before. It's in Denmark. Found that horror fans experience less pandemic-related psychological distress than non-fans. So control of emotions, management of terrifying situations. Let's go into this just one step further. Maybe. Oh, my God. I'm scared. The enhanced autonomic nervous system. That's our fight or flight response that goes off, right? It's very primal, right? It's what's allowed us to survive as a species. So the fight or flight, the arousal you feel lasts actually long after the movie. And then transfers to the positive things that come after so if Shannon and I go to see a horror movie that terrifies the hell out of us and our autonomous, autonomic nervous system is fight or flight and our amygdala is going off and all this anxiety that we've channeled into this really good place, that feeling lingers because the brain doesn't really know yet that we've left the theater. It's still on that high. But the paired situation that's happening right there is that I'm hanging out with Shannon and we're also laughing mm -hmm. about how anxious we are or Eating maybe popcorn. how bad the movie was. Maybe I'm sick because I ate a whole large popcorn. Mm -hmm. And so this is called the excitation transfer process. It's a paired association. So if you are pairing this feared stimulus with something fun, well, that's enabling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We want more of that. They actually have talked about how it burns calories. Mm. So let's have a very serious conversation. <laughs> no, I made a joke earlier about how it burns calories, but I do want to tell you that this is like a what the hell for fear research because a study published by the University of Westminster got 10 whole people. 
ten, ten whole people. That is a very like small their sample, sample size pool. was yeah. massive. Yeah, uh, to people. watch different horror films. The people taking part had their hate, their hate, <laughs> their hate monitored. No, the people taking part had their heart mo- rate monitored as well as their oxygen intake and carbon dioxide output. Can you imagine watching you know, a horror movie with all that shit on? And you're being monitored like that. The heaviest person that took part out of the 10 burned 184 calories while watching the movie. This is the same number of calories that you would burn during a weightlifting session or a walk. So there's no excuse not to watch a horror movie. That's right. I'm you don't just even have saying. to do anything except watch it. These are very important. Well, a <laughs> ten-person sample pool that has to be generalizable <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, they also talk about how it can help relieve depressive feelings, of Mm -hmm. course, because you get an adrenaline, you know, you get adrenaline rushes and that dopamine rush and you're working through your fears. But quite simply, you're getting the jumps and the scares and the excitement that you experience can hypothetically cause like feelings of euphoria, happiness, and which would in turn reduce your stress, right? So, Well, and while we're on the topic of stress... Yeah. We know that chronic ongoing stress mm-hmm. is really poorly correlated with cognitive function. So the more stressed we are, we start our our memories affected, our mm-hmm. ability to concentrate is affected, our ability to be present is affected, um to execute personal, you know, decision-making, all of that is affected. That's our cognition, right? Mm -hmm. So ongoing stress affects that. It also breaks down our immune system. Those of you who might be graduate students, have you ever noticed that you'll be working really hard through a semester and the second there's like spring break or summer comes along and you might have like a week off, you get sick Mm -hmm. because your body's just been holding on to this stress. (laughs) And then it's like, Ugh. And then you let it flow. And now now you're in bed with the flu or yeah. a head cold or something, okay? So when we have chronic ongoing stress, it reduces our cognitive function and it breaks down our immune system. However, research will show that small, manageable amounts of stress and discomfort, such as watching a horror movie, can actually strengthen our immune system. So I would make that equivalent to if you maybe get uh, inoc- inoculated for something, you get a little little piece of the the virus in there, right? Not the whole thing, just a little bit. And then the body goes, I can fight that. Now I'm stronger. A little bit more. I can fight that. Now I'm stronger. Okay. It's the same thing. It's that it's, it's the small doses of stress that the immune system, the cognitive function starts to go, Oh, a little bit at a time. I'm going to start conditioning. Yoga does the same thing. When we think about why is yoga so good? Yoga puts us in these really uncomfortable positions. And if you're doing hot yoga, even more so that teaches us that we can get through that discomfort. It's good for our body. We're present. It's mindful. And then we come out of that going, that was uncomfortable, but I'm okay. We're putting stress on the body. We're also doing really good things for our body, but it's stressful in that moment. It's the same type of thing where we're building a stress tolerance where you and I have had various episodes on how our stress tolerance in general has significantly gone down because of technology and instant gratification. So having small doses of good stress 
it, it helps us then in periods in real life where we might have more intense periods of stress. It's like, okay, my body's a little bit more equipped. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're watching a stressful, stressful film, like it doesn't have to be horror, but anything that puts you into that stress response, you know, we're intentionally exposing ourselves to that, that anxiety stimuli or whatever it is. And we usually don't, we also usually don't engage in the same unhealthy coping mechanisms when we're watching a movie than we might in real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, except for Kathy's popcorn addiction. Listen, she's not going to be, you know, harming anyone. Well, I mean, except for me, maybe if I took her popcorn away, but we would manage stress differently during watching that moment. And we would, we would tap into what you're talking about resilience because we wouldn't be trying to muffle with a maladaptive coping strategy. Well, if you time. tried to take the popcorn away, right. you might get like a, usually sit to my left, like an elbow, my left elbow in sure. your face. Sure. Or rib. It could happen. Yeah. And then I would be having a parrot experience with that horror movie. You would never eat popcorn again. <laughs> I would. Maybe, or not ever maybe see that movie again. Sit next to you ever But again. I would think that that would, would be called a maladaptive stress response. I feel like if you chose violence, that would be maladaptive. Don't sure. take my fucking popcorn away <laughs> and we won't have this problem. You usually offer me some anyway. Well, now what I do, not to digress, is I get we have the, already. <laughs> uh, I get the large and it comes with an automatic refill. The last time we went, that's what happened. They're like, do you want your refill now so you don't have to get up? I'm like, yes. And she then I just hand with it to the Shannon. Fucking two huge things of popcorn. Yeah. And I'm like, what did you do by the They whole just store? looked at me and they go, you need more. You're I said, like, you no, it's right. free. It's part of it. I'm like, wait, what? If you get the large at AMC. You get a free refill. And you can get it right then and there. Which is hilarious because the idea of the free re refill is that you wouldn't need it, right? Like they're offering you something that most people aren't going to leave the movie to go get. But they throw except, out so much popcorn at the end of the night. And no, exactly. Like I'm never going to get the refill. So I never get the large. But Kathy would. I might. <laughs> I, I And then I go home sick. I have to eat a bowl of cereal before bed. Because I have to coat the stomach from all of the... <laughs> anyway, we're getting off track. It's a whole thing. So I did want to talk a little bit about how horror movies might not be the best thing for your mental health. Because we did want to provide both sides of it. And this is just the idea of where you want to fall and what it is for you, right? Experiencing emotions like fear, stress, and shock while knowing deep down that we're actually perfectly safe can be cathartic, like what you were saying. However, watching horrific things can also, especially if you have a lot of anxiety, you suffer from huge anxiety, panic attacks, etc. Watching horrific images can trigger those unwanted thoughts and feelings that you might feel in your life and give you increased levels of anxiety or panic and even increase our sensitivity to startle eliciting stimuli. So what they're sort of saying is that you could develop a startle response that maybe you didn't have before, or it can, can get that. worse. Yeah, like that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, you know, making those of us like who are already anxious more likely to respond negatively and misinterpret the sensations as real threats, like me taking the popcorn. Yeah, you might, I, you might actually say 
this is actually a threat and I have to elbow her in the face. I think it would be less thoughtful. I think it would just be really immediate. Yeah. Impulsive. It's a startle eliciting response. So <laughs> you would have been startled by me taking the popcorn and then you would punch me. Something like that. Because you would think I was an actual threat when I'm actually well, not. Well, anyone takes my popcorn, that's an actual threat. <laughs> but you can get a refill. I'm not getting up. So it's not making sense. Okay. Well, we have new policies at AMC. <laughs> we, have, we have new rules. <laughs> All right. It can also make it harder to sleep. So they're talking about how, you know, the excited response that is part of watching a horror film to get the benefits that we're looking at, you need to have the excited response when when you're watching the horror film and they're sort of and they're saying that you know, the frightening things we've seen on the screen can trigger nightmares, it can disrupt REM sleep, it can make it just generally harder to sleep because also your brain is trying to um your brain is trying to process sometimes negative emotions. And if those negative emotions are playing right into the stress of the day, you know, you could end up having poor sleep. And then, of course, as we know, poor sleep is linked to other things if it was like over time. So, of course, the other thing I'll say about a possible negative effect is that certain people have a lot of trouble with boundaries. I do think that one of the things about watching horror respectful of yourself let's put it that way is to identify and define what your boundaries are about things and to avoid the images and sensations that make you i would say overly uncomfortable or trigger these negative things mm -hmm. trigger the lack of sleep trigger you know startle responses you know make you feel worse make your anxiety worse there are things in horror movies that we all put our eye, our hands over our eyes for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are part things in movies that I will choose that moment to use the restroom. Yes, agreed. And that's how I navigate it. I know over time, and my boundaries have shifted over time of as course. well, where there are things where I used to take my bathroom break during that kind of scene. I don't actually necessarily always have to now. And... I can actually see the value in the story of whatever the thing of why is. why that's there. Of why that's there. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But I have worked through a lot of my fears. And so we get better. So, of course, I feel as if that has been a benefit to watching horror for me is that I am more resilient with things that I find uncomfortable. I can actually tolerate being uncomfortable. I don't have to leave the room. And that's different from being jaded. Exactly. That's I, a, yeah, I still have the feelings. Yes. <laughs> I, they're not blunted at all. Right. I feel the feelings, but then I'm resilient enough to watch the thing I don't like, feel the feelings, have a have a reaction to it, and work through that as opposed to having to leave the room. However, all this to be, all this for me is that horror films have been good for my mental health, but I can see how someone who has difficulty defining their own boundaries and understanding who they are and who they aren't and a sense of self and all that, because we deal with a lot of mentally ill people, might find it very difficult to navigate the horror landscape because they might unintentionally expose themselves to 
tons of triggers that are unnecessary, like in the instance of children. <laughs> you know, we did an episode last week around the horror films that made us and how we were both uh, Gen X and exposed far too early to <laughs> horrifying things. And, and you know, there is a, an argument for that not being a great thing for kids, right? But so if you can't navigate your boundaries, it might, it might be a... Might be a detrimental. I could see thing. that too because and and uh, while you're talking about this, my mind also goes to I wonder if they broke it down by types of horror because mm -hmm. torture porn and slashers are different from thrillers and different from X Y and Z. Well, There's, and it's going to be different for different. It's going to be different too. for different people. Some people are going to watch torture torture porn type of movies, and that's the stuff that really gets them in that place where they're working through their fears. And that's the part that that's the thing that helps them with their PTSD or whatever. And not so much for others. Right. It's yeah. It's interesting how it really just depends on the person because mm -hmm. one thing that we also know is with all of this information you and I have just gone over we know that horror films now are being used experimentally for treating post-traumatic stress disorder and certain phobias. And by using horror as a form of exposure therapy, so if someone's, which means someone's repeatedly exposed to things that trigger anxiety in a closely regulated environment. So going back to your comment about how it could trigger a memory in a more contained environment like therapy, Right. This is why we don't do PTSD therapy at home. Right. Or with our friends or, or what's the cult leader's name that we did a Teal Swan. Teal Swan. Right. You got to know what you're doing because just by opening that and not having any sort of structure or containment around that, but given the correct environment, the appropriate environment, maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Scream therapy. I like it. I mean, that's what we do when we go to all the spooky events that we're going to be going to. And then we have exorcist, saw, there's so much. There's so much about. coming out and there's so much to scream about for sure. And I, I just want to, I guess in closing, unless you had something else, I, no. I wanted to talk a little bit about how when you're watching a horror film and you're in the moment and you're eating your popcorn and you've dimmed the lights and there's that atmosphere, there is so much that goes into the feelings that you've, that you get from those movies. So if you really think about it, the use of silence, the use of isolation, the atmosphere, the sound, the music, the lighting, the camera angles, the speed of the camera angles, the movement, the stillness, there's just so much. Mm -hmm. that affects us and affects our affect when you're watching a horror film. And I think some people get that from war films. Some people get that from comedies, right? Like anything that elicits an affect from you or like a romance that's really sad for you and you watch it every time you, you know, you have, you get sad and you watch this particular movie because it makes you cry. And that gives you that affect experience you're looking for. Horror is the same way. And when we review movies, when we talk about films, when we talk about franchises, that's kind of what we're talking about as well. Like, 
how did these films affect us affectively? That's always got to be, in my opinion, part of somebody's movie movie review when they talk to me about a movie. Mm. Like, how did it make you feel? Oh, I was uncomfortable. I was scared. Oh, I laughed out loud. Oh, I was so surprised. Oh, this one character, I hated them. I wanted everyone to die. You hear those things all the time in the horror community. I hated them all and they all should die. It's like that was psychologically restorative for you <laughs> because we can't go to our workplaces and do that. We it's we might say it to our, our buddies, but like, you know, those kinds of comments with regards to real people are not tolerated. Right. right. But we can say them about the characters in horror movies. So Absolutely. So much of this is like deeply psychological. And of course that's our whole premise here on the show, but it's fun. It's like, you can get all of those affective experiences without having to tell your trauma story, Mm. which I think is what is really uh, enticing about this for a lot of people. (laughs) So it's like somewhat cryptic. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I like that. Let's get back to watching horror flicks, man. Cause Let's I would like it. to get healthier. Yes. That's why we do it. It's- I would like to heal now. Thank you. This is actually a self care channel. <laughs> yeah. Aliens and exorcists. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our Ooh, world. That sounds like a great band name. <laughs> Aliens and exorcists. Yeah. Maybe mannequin uprising. will think about a name change. Yeah. And- <laughs> Thanks for listening, you guys. Please take a moment to leave us a glowing review on Spotify or iTunes and follow us on all the social medias, which are linked down in the description. And if you'd like to become a patron of ours, we would love to have you in our community. There's a ton of extra content over there. But we bid you adieu. Come back because we're just about to talk about the Alien franchise next time. And it's going to be a good one. It is. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. My name is Kathy. Please sleep safe.